1: up to sacrifice, but Samuel the prophet came to him. and Samuel said to Saul, he says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed more than fat of rams. Here Martha was offering her sacrifices to the Lord in her service to him and yet there seemed to be a major disconnection with what was really necessary at that time. It was more important at that time to heed to and listen to the things of the Lord than in making some ram sandwich for the crowd.
0: Serving God is an important part of our time here on earth. We were not put here simply to move through our days, waiting for death or for Jesus to return. God blessed us with abilities and loved us enough to save us, giving us a great reason to serve Him. However. Pastor David cautions us today to not let serving God become the only thing we do. God also wants to have a relationship with us, one where we stop long enough to sit at his feet and drink in his presence. That is the most important thing. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, One Thing is Needful.
1: busy doing that Martha thing. She's cooking, she's, she's cleaning, she's preparing things like she always does. Some of you ladies know exactly what's happening here in Martha's head, don't you? While the guys sit oblivious, but uh, uh, <laughs> the ladies for sure understand how this works. What a wonderful thing it is, again, to desire to serve The Lord in practical and intangible, in in, in, in physical, in in material ways. That's a good thing. And that ought to be the heart of, of every believer. And so we don't fault Martha with her desire to honor the Lord by these acts of service, not at all. And it wasn't that Martha's service toward the Lord was inappropriate, or even that her concern was necessarily inappropriate. The problem came as the level of her concern show that now she was being controlled by that concern and how that concern now moved to the point of anxiety. And then her attitude now moved totally out of bounds because her concern went to anxiety. Her anxiety now went to anger and perhaps even a little bit of jealousy. Martha had now become a victim of her own choices, of her own schedule, and of her own circumstances. Truly, I believe that Martha wanted to hear Jesus too. She wanted to hear what her friend and what her Lord, what her master had to say. But the problem was, is the tyranny of the urgent came all about her, and suddenly she didn't have that opportunity, she felt, because there was an imbalance in her life that had now come to surface. The word tells us that Martha approached Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Sounds like some of the children at home, doesn't it? But wow, there's so much wrong here. There's so much in just that short little few couple of verses or a couple of sentences that Martha declares. So much that's wrong. First of all, it's a wrongful accusation against the Savior when she says, don't you care? Because, beloved, no one ever cared for you like Jesus. And that's for sure in Martha's case. The Lord cares for Martha. With those words, we're actually, when she says, don't you care, we're, we're actually brought back... As, as I looked at this, we're brought back to the Sea of Galilee, and you remember that situation. Jesus and the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee. A big storm blew up, and where was Jesus? He was asleep in the boat. He was, he was fine. He knew the, you know, the Father was in charge of all of this. But the disciples got all panicky as they're bailing water out, and they're looking around for the Lord. They finally see him asleep. They go and wake him up and say, Don't you care that we're perishing? That's just the absolute wrong question to ask the Lord. But you know what, I think if we really are honest with ourselves, probably every one of us in one or two situations in our life have asked that. Maybe not verbally, but just mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Lord, don't you see what's going on? Don't, don't, don't you see my hurt? Don't you see the situation that I'm stuck in? Why don't you fix it, Lord? Lord. Don't you care? The problem with the disciples and the problem with Martha and our problem at that point in time is actually the lack of a full understanding of who Jesus is. And again, no one, no one at all has ever cared for the disciples, cared for Mary, or cared for you and I as much as Christ it's that lack of understanding, it's that lack of faith that, again, brought about Jesus' response to the disciples. Remember what his response was to the disciples? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you! Of I'm here. Why are you such little faith? The second problem that we see with Martha's declaration is she says, I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one serving you kind of brings us back to Elijah. Remember the, the situation with Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament. Man, he had, he had slew the uh, 400 plus prophets of Baal, and man, he was on top of the world, and then one word of one woman, that Jezebel, that says, you know, off with his head, you know, if he, uh, I'm, I'm going to have his head off, you know, before sunrise. And suddenly he slips into this huge pity party, and he goes and he hides in the mountains, and the Lord comes and speaks to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Remember, Elijah's well, I'm the only one serving you, Lord. I'm the only one left in all the world that's serving you. And he has his beautiful, beautiful pity party up there. And what does the Lord say to him? Get up. I've got 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee. You're not the only one. The Lord wasn't finished with him. The Lord was still going to use Elijah. But how quick you and I, just like Elijah, just like Martha, how quick you and I can think that we're either the only ones that are serving or we're the only ones that are doing it right. And all the while we miss a huge part of the equation that within the family of God there are different gifts and different purposes and different directions. God uses different ones in different ways. Careful when you slip into your own pity party. I'm the only one right. It's a dangerous place to be. The third thing we see in Martha's statement is this idea of commanding or directing the Lord on how things ought to be done. You notice there's no request here. It comes pretty much in the form of a command. Tell her to help me. Now, the thing that we, we really need to see, she had just called him Lord, and now she's commanding. Do you understand the humor in that? Because as Lord, that means I'm your servant and whatever you want in my life, I'm yours to command and do. But suddenly now she's flipped the equation around, hasn't she? And she's telling the Lord and Master what to do. Very dangerous place to be. It was on an earlier trip that uh, when Lazarus had died as Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, Martha was the first one who went out to see Jesus. And do you remember her words? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Almost an accusation. I think Martha liked being in control. I think Martha enjoyed being in command of the situation. And when things got out of control, got out from underneath her command of the situation, That's when imbalance really showed itself. Oh, the imbalance was already there because she wanted to be so much in control. But the imbalance came to the surface, visible to all, once she started acting and speaking that way. And when it got out of control, she definitely had an issue with control. But I love the gentleness of our Lord's response to Martha. Verse 41 says that Jesus answered. He said to her, Martha, Martha. You're worried and you're troubled about many things. It's interesting, throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, whenever the Lord calls out a name twice, it's because somebody's really messed up, but he's bringing gentle correction. And I love the gentleness of the correction of the Lord. I I look through the Scripture and I see how many times the Lord should have, could have taken a two-by-four and whacked somebody. But then I think about my own life, and I think all the bumps I would have on my head if the Lord responded in the same way. He goes to her, Martha, Martha. A little bit later in Luke, we're going to read how the Lord comes to Simon Peter, and Peter's boasting, oh, Lord, everybody will d- d- desert you, but, but I'll stay strong. I'll, I'll be the one to, uh, you know, I, he, he's puffed up, and he's prideful, and what does the Lord do? He corrects him. He says, oh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. He's going to sift you like wheat. So a gentle correction, gentle understanding, Simon. Don't don't get that. And it's interesting, it's Luke also that writes in the book of Acts. Saul of Tarsus on the way to persecute Christians up in Damascus. And remember, the Lord knocks him off his high horse too. Literally knocks him off the horse to the ground. And he says, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? I wonder, have there been many times that the Lord's called your name out twice? (laughs) Three times, four maybe? That's the tenderness. That's the tenderness of correction. Jesus speaks to the accusations and to the attitude and to the arrogance of, of Martha at this point in time, but not in a condemning way. He just brings clarity to her. Jesus knew, he, he understood that imbalance that was going on in Martha's life at this point. Her focus, yes, was on serving. And serving was good. but her focus should have been on, again, her love and her compassion and her desire of knowing and growing in Christ. Service, yes, comes with that. But don't ever allow the service to the Lord interfere with your love and your devotion to the lord verse 42 jesus saying to martha he says martha there's only one thing that's needed and mary has chosen that good part and that's not going to be taken away from her you see in trying to serve the lord in her own strength martha missed the main thing and we see this time and time again all throughout scripture we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we find that battle between two brothers. Interesting, Mary and Martha are sisters. Let's go back to Genesis and look at two brothers, Cain and Abel. And if you think about it, there's a lot of similarities that are going on uh, with what happened in Genesis chapter 4 and what's going on in Luke chapter 10. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, said that it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but for Cain and for his offerings, he had no regard. And then catch this. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. You know what that is? You've seen that in individuals, that one in the mirror, that you see sometimes how the countenance can fall when suddenly anger is the controlling factor. Now, we won't get into the two different offerings and the difference on that. Let's look at the attitude in the heart of Cain because that's what the Lord zeros in on is the attitude in the heart of Cain. He continues on there in Genesis 4, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Beloved, I I submit to you this morning that sin was crouching at Martha's door because her countenance had fallen. Her anger had come forth onto the surface. There's no doubt about that. Martha, in thinking that she was doing the right thing, She was doing it, as we see here, with a wrong attitude and perhaps even the wrong motive. She was missing the importance of Jesus being there at that time. Because you realize that within a week of this time period, Jesus was going to be laid in a tomb. And here he is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's spending time with Mary and Martha. Oh, the meal is important. There's no doubt about that service is important but let's make sure that our service is with the right attitude way back in the book of first samuel we read how king saul felt he was doing the right thing Even doing a spiritual thing by offering sacrifices to the Lord. And again, we won't get into the fact that he is king. That wasn't his job, but uh, he wanted to show some kind of a, a, a spiritual action here. And he began offering sacrifices to the Lord. But he was working completely outside of the obedience and the direction of the Lord. And sometimes we can do that. We can do what we think to be the right thing, but it's not the thing that God is calling for us to do. And then when what we're doing doesn't really come through or it's not appreciated as much as what we think it ought to be appreciated by the groups that are around us, then suddenly our heart, our attitude starts showing. Suddenly there's anger, there's frustration, our countenance begins to fall. I've worked so hard for the Lord. I've done so many things for God. And nobody really appreciates me. As a matter of fact, I'm the only one that's doing it right. Well, Saul offered up this sacrifice, but Samuel the prophet came to him. And Samuel said to Saul, he says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed more than fat of rams." Here Martha was offering her sacrifices to the Lord in her service to him, and yet there seemed to be a major disconnection with what was really necessary at that time. It was more important at that time to heed to and listen to the things of the Lord than in making some ram sandwich for the crowd. She was busy about many things, distracted by them. Now, I need to be quick to bring this. Robert told me I had to make sure and mention this. This doesn't mean that we don't need Sunday school teachers or nursery workers, okay? We, we need nursery workers. We need Sunday school teachers. We need people serving the Lord. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be active about. But don't let those things come into your life because of guilt or because of wrong motivation Let them be there because God is calling you to do those things, because the Spirit of God is urging you to do those things. All of our service to the Lord ought to be because of our devotion to the Lord. Let me bring you one more. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, he tells us in 1 Corinthians at the end of chapter 12 and at the beginning of chapter 13 again... He's had this introduction of the gifts, and uh, he explains the benefit of the gifts to the body of the church. How we honor the Lord as we faithfully and, and correctly exercise these gifts. But even in the exercising of the gifts, Paul tells us that we can be far off base. As a matter of fact, the church in Corinth was far off base in how they ministered these gifts. He finishes out this whole thing of describing the gifts and their use with, again, a statement in chapter 12, verse 31. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes right into chapter 13. And the words of chapter 13, listen to these. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love. I'm just a sounding brass. I'm a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, he's speaking about the motivation of our hearts. And we could say the same thing, though, though you teach Sunday school for the last five years, though you've served on a board, though you've ministered in this area, though you've worked in this area, and you don't have the right motivation, then all of that is for nothing. It's as Paul says, that's that wood, hay, and stubble that gets burnt up at the end of the day. Oh, Lord, look at all that I've done through these years. Poof, it's gone. Why? Those are the wrong motivation. Are we motivated by the Spirit of God because of our devotion to God? Lord, I, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to be used by you. And then allowing him to lead us and direct us into these things. You see, as important as serving in the kingdom of God is, if it's done with the wrong attitude, if it's done with the wrong motivation, gang, it becomes useless in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not about service. The kingdom of God is about your relationship with the creator and the sustainer of all that is. Christ desires for you and I a living, a loving, a growing relationship for each one of us. Serving him outside of that becomes just like a clanging cymbal. Absolutely useless and unprofitable both for you and for the kingdom of God. Our service to Christ ought to be out of a heart of gratitude and by the direction and by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. To do anything else is an empty offering that will not be accepted. It becomes the offering of Cain that's rejected. Our true love to the Lord is shown in our devotion, not in our service. However, true devotion brings about service, and yet service doesn't always equate with devotion. Sometimes the busiest people in a church might be just really far away from the Lord because they're trying to work their way to Him rather than resting in Him. So where do I find the balance? Where do I, where do I fit my times of devotion with, with times of service in the midst of everything else that I'm doing in this 24 hours a day, this seven days a week, this 52 weeks a year, this 365 and a quarter days a year? Where do I fit that in in that 8766 that you're speaking about, Pastor? Or better yet, how do, how do I fit it into that two remaining hours? It's an easy answer. First of all, We ought to live our lives continually in devotion to the Lord. In all that we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Keeping our hearts and our minds stayed on Jesus throughout the day. Communicating with him throughout the day. Secondly, our priorities. Knowing when to say no to the world and yes to Christian brothers and sisters. To know when to just stop and say no. And when to say yes to Jesus. Don't allow yourself to be so distracted by the cares and the concerns of the world that your devotion gets choked out and you and your life and your gifts become absolutely unfruitful for the kingdom. What a horrible position that is to be in. To be so busy in the world or to be so busy in the church and be fruitless in God's kingdom. The answer the Lord gave to Martha, choose the right part. Choose that that can never be taken away. And that's in your devotion, your commitment, your growing relationship with Christ our Lord.
0: Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are a grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande.
1: Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website.
0: Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.